0: Hey everyone on the podcast today we have Chad L. Patterson. What a fun podcast this was. Chad is an executive leadership coach that implements the principles of John C. Maxwell. You can find out more about Chad and his coaching business at chadlpatterson.com. A lot of great experience and stories Chad has to lean on and share and we barely scratch the surface in this show. We talk about his background of being a teacher, a pioneer in leadership in the public school system here in texas and in north houston later his journey into being the executive director of camp buckner which is a retreat and conference center that services youth uh, adults and organizations of of all shapes and sizes Uh, the website for that is buckner.org for more information and background on that Later on in the podcast, we dig into a few of the Maxwell leadership principles that stand out to Chad and how he has applied them over his experience for a more tactical approach for some of you that are looking for uh, a few nuggets to implement right away. He pulls a few examples from the books by John Maxwell titled The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, and then the other book uh, that Chad discusses is The 15 Invaluable Laws of Growth. We discussed some of our Everson Cooper frequently asked questions during the second half of the show, and then Chad turns the tables on us and asks for our answers to some of those questions, uh, like the most impactful books and our definition of success, and that was just it was a great challenge for us. I told Chad at the end of the podcast that that was probably the most challenging podcast to date, but in a good way, because he wanted to know our answers, too. He wasn't going to let us off the hook. Um, He wanted to know our perspective on certain things that we discussed. Okay, before we get into the conversation with Chad, if you would please rate the podcast and send us a review, we would greatly appreciate the feedback. That helps us grow our listener base and that also helps us how we improve the show and reach more listeners so that our guests can be heard uh, by more people and so they can grow as well. If you're feeling really generous and abundant, I hope you are, please share this with your pals and buddies on whatever social media platform you prefer. That would be fantastic. Okay. Now that we have gone through all those things, uh, we will get to our conversation with Chad Patterson.
1: Welcome to the Everson Cooper podcast. We are entrepreneurs that are interested in what makes people successful.
0: In this podcast, we sit down with a wide range of people with diverse perspectives and backgrounds.
1: We dive into the obstacles that they've had to overcome, their successes, unique experiences, and everything in between.
0: Our goal is to continuously learn from those around us and share their knowledge so that we can all find something that makes us better and makes those around us better.
1: We hope you enjoy.
0: Chad Patterson, welcome to the podcast. Thanks,
2: and I'm glad to be here, man. Thanks, Elizabeth.
1: We're so excited to have you here, and I just have to share really quickly. It's so funny how things happen. So. We were at, I did not know you, like, not that long ago, and we were at the Live to Lead conference yep. here in the Woodlands, and I, like, go to throw my coffee cup away or something, and Chad comes up to me, and he, like, reaches his hand out to shake my hand, he goes, I've been following you on Facebook, and I've been wanting to meet you so bad, and I'm like, oh my god I said
2: following that stalk, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah.
1: You did, you did. Okay. And I'm like, what? I've been seeing you on Facebook and wanting to meet And it's just so funny how that kind of stuff happens and how you see people that are like in your community and around and it's like, you know them, but you don't actually know them. Then you see them in person. You're like, Oh, I got to meet them. Y'all are
2: creating a lot of positive vibes. I mean, and so it's always attractive to try to connect with people like that. So that was a funny connection. It
1: was so funny. It was so awesome. You totally made my day. Well, and you're, and I appreciate that very much. And we're just so grateful to have you. It's been so nice to know you. I've heard the most beautiful things about you Mm. until I met you. And then I met you and we got together and you just totally like lit everything up. So we're Mm. thrilled to have you here today and do all the things together. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Thank you. So you have been a coach and executive leadership coach for a number of years very long time we will definitely dig into that okay uh, I know that there's going to be a lot of great things that our listeners will will want to know and and, and will learn mm-hmm. from and be able to apply uh, in their personal and their business mm-hmm. life uh, and we'll talk about your background and all that good stuff but uh, one place that, that I do want to start that we kind of all have a little bit in common and, and listeners of course you know if they, they listen to any other podcast they probably Heard mention that you know Elizabeth and myself are former Conroe ISD teachers, especially Conroe yeah. ISD teachers as well here in the North Houston area. Uh, you are a former Conroe ISD teacher. Uh, and not only were you a former teacher, but you were actually a pioneer uh, for something for Conroe ISD that is still around and still being done. And that is, is a challenge it course. course. It is. Uh, and so talk a little bit about that. Talk about your time with Conroe ISD. You were a physical education teacher. And during your time... With Conroe ISD, you started this, this challenge course uh, and helped to direct this wellness program that yeah. spread throughout Conroe ISD. So yeah. you did a lot. Uh, they, you were you were a teacher, what, thir- 12 years, 13 years? 12 years. Okay, 12 years. Yeah. So, so, so talk a little bit about that.
2: Well, that, that's exciting to talk about because I was even a Conroe ISD product. So, and so, I'm third generation Conroe, and I'm most proud to say that there's even a school. Named after my dad, Charlie. So, CISD is a very significant piece of my life. I think at one time my whole family worked for the school district. So, nice. um, but yeah, that's where I started my career uh, as a teacher. I actually started off as a special ed teacher, working with underdogs, I called them. Uh, they were labeled emotionally disturbed, behaviorally disordered. I mean, I fit right in, right? <laughs> um, but I've always had a heart for underdogs. And prior to that, I really felt called into ministry, but had a very distinct change of perspective. And that was the the place, the trench, if you will, mm-hmm. I wanted to go start. Yeah. And so uh, while I was teaching the special ed kiddos, mostly junior high boys, we tripped into this uh, process called a ropes course, and it was experiential. And what I loved about it as a teacher is it put the kids, the students, on an equal playing field.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So little Johnny in the class who didn't want to talk or might pull a knife on you or might run away when you got him out of his environment and put him into the woods if you will and put him in that space where he was just kind of on equal footing he showed leadership and he showed all these great gifts and so as a teacher i got hooked yeah long story short after about three years of teaching special ed they asked me to start the ropes course program uh, for the district at the time we were contracting with montgomery county youth services Mm -hmm. And so we literally uh, built from the ground a ropes challenge course that served not only the special ed population, but really students uh, district wide.
3: Yeah.
2: And so they they paid me to do that. It was an amazing (laughs) uh, opportunity. And that's where I really got hooked to on this whole experiential learning and training Mm -hmm. and development. So it fit my outdoor love for outdoors was seeing people reach their potential. It was just a perfect intersection me so and then the whole wellness and it's funny I played college baseball and my boss came up to me one day and he said hey you you played baseball right and I was like yes sir he said well we want you to employ wellness I'm thinking okay I can do that (laughs) Um, and then that program took off so that was a really uh, special time in my career to serve as a teacher in the ropes course and the wellness program and I think they're still going there's actually a wellness center now Mm -hmm. right off the freeway in Oak Ridge so Mm -hmm. It's a it's a great thing to see a district invest in their students and people like Conrasty does. So,
0: now talk about that process when when that became when they came to you and said, "Hey, we want to do this. We want to actually implement this this uh, this ropes course this challenge course." What was that process like? Was it a grassroots kind of thing? Uh, did you did you work with other people that had done something similarly? Yeah. Uh, talk about that process uh, because. A lot of our listeners, I mean, they're trying to be creative. They're trying to start yeah. maybe relatively new things, with, yeah. uh, whether it's in their business or whether it's starting a podcast or whatever. Right. And so um, kind of that inspiration of how do you figure this out? What did you yeah. do to figure that out? Talk a little bit about that. It's
2: a good question. So our, our context was we had a working relationship with the Montgomery County Youth Services. Mm-hmm. So we had seen it. We yep. had tasted it. We had experienced it. And so that gave us a good context to build from, frankly. So it wasn't, we just thought of this out of the blue. We had a model we had seen and experienced, and then we really just kind of tweaked it to meet the needs of the district. So we had a a framework, if you will, uh, to go from. And then from there, we just started exploring when we wanted the best. And so I was given the freedom to just reach out to different people who were doing that in other school districts. And so uh, we built a model really focused on the school district population uh, and the teachers in Conroe ISD, but we had that example from Youth Services, and we continued that relationship for years. I even served on that board at one time. Um, but we took what their tools were with special needs kids, mm-hmm. and made it applicable to all the students and the teachers in the district. Yeah. So.
0: so talk about <clears throat> juggling being a full-time teacher, being you, you, and so you started out as a special education teacher first yeah. two years, three years, three years, that's uh, right. and then you were we'll come to and said hey we want you to start this wellness program yeah. so talk about juggling being a full time teacher and yeah. then you know doing this pioneering this wellness program that yeah. eventually um, went district wide talk about that during your tenure and the, the challenges of that yeah. uh, obviously the rewards of that yeah. too
2: well, so there was a, fortunately I worked for a leader. He was really my first example of what a leader was. Mm-hmm. And that was someone who had a vision and gave you the tools and resources and support to go do it. Mm-hmm. Right. And so Dr. Hunter was his name. Okay. And so we had a transition period. And if I remember correctly, my first day of part-time ropes course was February 14th. <laughs> I think in man, 1994, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Um, and then I had until May to still teach during the day. And then go in the evening and afternoons and start building this other program. And so he gave me some grace period. There was a transition period. I was also a new dad at the time. And so it was definitely a work-life balance Mm -hmm. experiment. (laughs) I didn't know it at the time because I'm so hungry for the next challenge and the next opportunity. But it definitely took uh, some pacing. It took a lot of cooperation from my family. Mm -hmm. Um, But just to have a leader, too, that walked beside me and kind of guided me through that. It wasn't a, hey, tomorrow I want you to do this. It right. was, there's where we want to be, and you have a little bit of time to, to get to the starting line. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, it was the, the challenge of it, I think, drove me through the, the stresses, mm-hmm. if you will. I, I liked the challenge, so I saw the vision. I saw the potential of what it could do, and that's what I focused on more so than, oh, wow, I have to stay up late tonight, or I have to. Sure. So, and then I, I learned very early in life to ask for help. And so I started reaching out to other school districts that were doing similar things. Again, we had the the relationship with youth services. So I I leaned on those people that I loved and trusted. um, And then I just went for it. It, It's a lot of trial and error. um, But the process was guided by the vision. Yeah,
3: yeah.
2: So plus I would tasted it. I had seen firsthand what this could do. And to think that we could take the lid off that Mm -hmm. and expand it. I mean, that still gets me excited talking about it. So. (laughs)
0: are there any one or two best ofs or highlights where toward towards the end of your tenure uh you were there for for 12 years so you've kind of seen the program grow you've seen the uh the challenge course grow as well is there something that was uh, a time or two that was super validating to (sighs) know you know you because you talked about that You, you know you you weren't focused on staying up late and the, you know, extra hours you were focused on what, the, what it could become the potential. Yeah. So years later, you know, you're still teaching, you're still involved with it. What were, was there a time or two where you're like, man, that's, that was what cool. I was looking for. That was the the thing that I knew that I could grow into. I
2: just had a recent encounter. Okay. With a, and you've had this with a former student. <clears throat> I won't say his name, sure. but he was one of those kiddos that would pull a knife that would, you <laughs> just didn't know if he was even going to show up the next day. Yeah. And, um, I'm not gonna say the ropes course was what saved him, Mm -hmm. but it was a big part of his life in terms of giving him something very concrete to show him that he had potential and leadership. Mm -hmm. And I would say without a doubt, that did help him stay on track. And I just saw him probably about six months ago in HEB, and I hear this, hey, Mr. Patterson. And um, just just to see the fruit of that, almost, I'm old, 25 years ago? That, that, that solidifies it even more. That, that's the most present, most mm-hmm. current example I have. But just seeing the faces, have y'all ever been on a ropes course or a challenge no, course? No, you no. Know, oh, I, man, we gotta go uh, do that. I'm
0: uh, ashamed to say, you know, I was an employee of Conroe ISD for three years
2: and never, never We had extensions. There. Were you at Moorhead, right? I was in Moorhead. You're at Moorhead. Yeah. You Moorhead Yeah, You're at
0: yeah. One one. My, yeah so my, my last year, my fifth year, uh, so first two years, I was at York yep. Junior High. Uh, and then I and I left the district. Um, it was you know pursuing football coaching and all that. Left the district and then my fifth year I came back and I was at Moorhead.
2: Yeah. Okay, so you you get the whole concept of the challenge is to get from point A to point B, mm-hmm. and there's an obstacle between you and the goal, mm-hmm. right? So a ropes course really presents an opportunity for people to solve problems, and sometimes it's individual, where you're literally challenged to climb up this pole twenty feet and walk across. You're always attached to a rope, so. You see the individual opportunity for growth on the high elements. And then the low elements is more team focused. Mm-hmm. So I can't tell you how many times I would see a person white as a sheet just having the courage to go 10 feet up. So, you know, success wasn't necessarily going from A to Z, mm-hmm. it was just maybe sometimes someone went from A to B mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and just that growth step. And then we had groups that would come on a repetitive, repetitive basis. And so you would see the growth, or we would train teachers mm-hmm. to be facilitators and just the personal growth that they experienced in becoming a facilitator. Mm-hmm. It's transforming people. And that, that's what really, mm-hmm. the fun and all that's great. You know, it's kind of a Six Flags experience on the surface. But that, that internal change, that I can attitude that it, it helps foster, is really what still resonates with me. Yeah. And I still use the Ropes course when I can. Mm-hmm. Doing retreats and things like that, and then there's a whole bag of tricks you could we could do some stuff in this room um, <laughs> that would give you a, a taste of yeah. what that's like. But. We're about
1: to do some team building here on the Everson Cooper yeah, podcast. Yeah, right.
0: we might have <laughs> to, uh, might have to try to do like a Facebook Live or something. <laughs> maybe,
2: maybe that'll be that'll be
0: uh, cool. that'll be Chad Patterson Volume Two. We'll Got like, it. Maybe cool. we'll do maybe that'll be our first uh, our first Facebook Live. We'll we'll do something yeah. like that. Yeah, uh, but it, it's I we're really, always looking for great ideas. It's a, drink. It's a
2: powerful <laughs> growth tool. Yeah. I mean it just really is. So
0: <clears throat> awesome, anyway. that's cool. Okay, so I, I would do, I do want to transition into what you're currently doing, and we'll we'll kind okay. of rewind a little bit and, and fill in the gaps, and you know, we, this won't be you know linear. We're, we're going to bounce around and, and, okay. and really Good. have a chance to, to dig into to to all the goodness. Mm. But you are currently an executive leadership coach. Uh, and you you implement the the John C Maxwell principles. Yes. Uh, so talk about the, essentially what you do, what your goal is for for your you know organization, and how that um, I guess is intertwined with the principles of, of John of John C Maxwell John Maxwell. And yeah. and I guess for people who aren't familiar with John Maxwell, kind of give some context there.
2: Okay. Well, Maxwell is. Uh in mid-70s he's written hundreds Mm -hmm. i think of books what what resonates with me with maxwell is like you said it's very principled based um he's also a former pastor and and so i'm always uh attracted i i'm a my faith is everything to me and so it resonates for me those principles that work that are timeless and they're proven Mm -hmm. they're, they're not the latest greatest shiniest fad thing and so that I've been using Maxwell's materials. Ironically, talking about the ropes course, that's really where my passion for coaching and speaking and training, I would mm-hmm. call, rooted. Um, but what I like about Maxwell, he's very principled base, mm-hmm. meaning that regardless of circumstances, regardless of where you are in your leadership journey, if you practice this tool, this strategy, you have pretty good odds of being it's better than you were. And so for me, when I think of the context of Maxwell uh, or just the context of being a coach, it's that, that sacred ground of walking beside someone and saying, hey, let me, let me encourage you and challenge you and equip you with this tool to get better.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And so I call it kind of that behind-the-curtain space where people show a little vulnerability, and then the privilege of a coach is to come beside them and offer that right amount of support yep. and challenge to help them get better. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's the simplicity that I live by, and Maxwell, I think, captures that, um, but that's that's my connection with uh, Maxwell, and I, I went through his certification program, I guess, three years ago, okay. so I'm a part of his team, so to speak, um, and I'm licensed to use his materials and things like that, and so, um, as he says often, I'm his friend, and he's my mentor, and so... Uh, I've met him personally uh, multiple times, and he's the real deal. Yeah, but there are a lot of great leadership experts out sure, there. Sure, sure. And so I, I'm always drawn to the principle based. I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh,
0: one of the things that you actually were just involved with, and you can speak more more about this, is was a was a program uh, here in the Woodlands uh, called Lib to Lead. Yes. And talk talk about that program uh as a whole um a little bit of its 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 background uh, how it got started Uh, but then obviously kind of what you just said are some of the goals that are kind of you know come out of that program but talk a little bit specifically about that program because if someone is listening and saying hey i want to get involved i want i I want to learn more about this and so that'll kind of give those people an opportunity to to to
2: do something well, Elizabeth, please validate this, right, because you were there.
1: Okay, I can um, do that.
2: It was just the fifth year, and I, w- I want to give a shout-out to our friend and partner, Barry Blanton. He and I have hosted that for the past three years. And it's basically a simulcast um, with a panel of expert leaders from across the country. Some other examples would be uh, it's very similar to the Global Leadership Summit that Bill Hybels used to do. Okay. Um, I think there's a leader. There, There's multiple, multiple ones that offer like a day simulcast. Sure or a live option. Um, And so it's usually not a day learning experience for leaders and teams to hopefully walk away with some practical applications. Um, And so for Barry and me, it's it's really a way for us to give back to the community and provide a leadership training growth experience. I mean, that's really the heart of why we do it. And so we gather about 80 people, I think, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And the hope is people walk away either being reminded, which we all need to be reminded, right? Um, or they have a new learning, Mm -hmm. or they have a new challenge. And hopefully, too, they also get to meet other people who have a heart for leadership. That's what I love about your inspired leader thing. I mean, that attracts people with a common goal of being better leaders, Mm -hmm. right? So that's really the heart of what this is. Um, You can look it up, livetoleadthewoodlands.org, I believe, or it's on my website as well. Um, But it's just a good day learning experience. Sometimes it catapults people... Uh, to maybe calling a coach like I'm, I'm the local John Maxwell team coach, and so sometimes it's a connecting point for me to offer curriculums and resources mm-hmm. as well to teams. But it, the heart of it, that day is to encourage and empower leaders to get better.
0: Yeah, so, so you mentioned you're the local John Maxwell coach. How many coaches are there? So we do have listeners, Ooh, you know, thank lots. goodness we have listeners. All over the place. Yeah. Uh, so there's someone in you know Reno, Nevada that's wanting yes. to you know do something. How, yeah. I don't know if you know the exact number, but it, it, ballpark. He mentioned how many that number guys. that
2: day on the simulcast. It's thousands. Wow. Okay. And it's international. Yeah. I, I think yeah. Maxwell's in 170 company, uh, countries. Okay. And yeah. so um, So you, so you listeners in
0: Uganda, you might have right. a John well, Maxwell coach. It's
2: crazy. <laughs> I had a, a consultant reach out to me from Cairo, Egypt. Nice. And so there's even the possibility of us doing Live to Lead in Cairo in 19. And so there's a hunger for leadership, right? But Maxwell has a pretty, I would say, solid reputation. I would guess there's 50. I want to think one of his visions is to impact a million leaders. Mm -hmm. And I think they're getting close, getting close. But I don't know how many of us are trained and certified, Uh, but there's thousands. I mean, it's... uh, in hundred and seventy countries, so I'm trying to remember. There were some other people there that day. Uh, if you Google the John Maxwell team, um, hopefully, you'll my name will pop up as well. But hopefully, you'll get to see people in this area. Mm-hmm. They've got a pretty decent website that will show you geographically coaches in your area. Gotcha. So. Awesome, pretty big <clears throat> network though.
1: Yeah, the, the the lift to lead was really incredible, and it was. My favorite thing about things like that is hearing successful people's stories of how they got there yep. and, um, you know, the things that they did. And, you know, you always hear the uh, how you have to focus on things and it's all mental or so yeah. much of it's mental and, you know, all this stuff. And so when people really mm-hmm. get vulnerable, like you said earlier, and get real about how they actually got, how they actually accomplished the thing that they're talking about, yeah. it's really nice to hear that because... Like for me, it's not that I want people to struggle, but it's just nice to know that like when I struggle, I'm not alone, right. and you know they that they yeah. that they struggled too, and I can get on the other side if I implement some of these things that they talked about that when they look back, you know every day they focused on you know a mantra or right. something that kind of directed them, you know to keep to keep their brain good and their and their yeah. mind at ease so that they could keep doing the things that they needed to do to get to where they needed to you go.
2: You just struck a chord with me. Because I, I I think what I'm learning in my life is stories are very convicting. I mean, if you think about it, we, I'm looking in your office, you have lots of books. Most of us have enough information and knowledge. It's not mm-hmm. a shortage of that. But sometimes it takes a really compelling story Mm -hmm. to trigger that hunger in us, and then we go look for the tools. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and that's one of the things I like about live to lead, and that's what I try to do as well. Is I want to be a story. No offense. I love quotes. I love it. But I want to be. This is my Mm -hmm. experience. This Mm -hmm. is my Mm -hmm. story. Just like y'all are being. Mm
3: -hmm. And I think
2: that connects with people, and then you can help them facilitate finding the right tool or the right book. But I think stories. that's where that's where it starts. I know it works that way for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And some of the greatest teachers have been great storytellers. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, anyway, you just triggered that thought when you were no,
1: talking. No, I appreciate that. And I, I mean it's true, you know, you cuz again, you that now you've now you've heard what someone's <clears throat> like real life experience. Yeah. Was yeah. nobody sugarcoated anything? Nobody right. was like, "Oh, it, you know, it was a little hard at times, but I pushed through." Like, well, what does that mean? What does right. hard at times look like? Right. You know, were you rolled up on the floor crying? Right. Like under your wh- desk. <laughs> like
2: what?
1: What was happening? You yeah. know, what does that actually physically look like? And when people are willing to get raw like that and yep. be like, "Listen, I was in a dark, dark place." Yep. Yep. Like I laid in my bed all day <laughs> for a weekend, or you know, whatever it was that. Right. I don't that really like got them down and they dealt with it, but they're clearly back up and doing life again and going yes. forward. And so it's, it's nice. I don't know. It's just it's nice when you hear in. those things and, yeah. and people will share that with you. Yeah. Even when they're wildly yeah. successful, it's, mm-hmm. it's nice to know Yeah. that they, that they go through a, ups and downs too. I
2: think it gives us hope. Mm-hmm. It's like, Oh wow. I'm not the only person battling that or I'm not yeah. the, and you, and you paint a picture of hope because you've overcome.
3: Yeah, that's right. You know, and
2: that's, you know, there's so many stories about that where people mm-hmm. have, I've fallen on my face plenty of times. But that get back up story gives other people hope, I think. And yeah. so when you hear those live stories, it's really the selling point of Live to Lead is you hear five different stories. And so, anyway. But yeah, live to lead, dot, live to lead the woodlands dot org. you can learn more.
1: And it's once a year, right?
2: Yes. Usually, this was in November this year, right? Usually end of October. Very, very first part of November. Okay. So I don't know that we have our date set, but odds are it's the end of October. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sounds good.
2: Yeah. Um, thanks for asking about that. Okay. So, from
0: Live to Lead, obviously, that's, you know, John Maxwell based, you know, thing. Um, give our listeners an opportunity if they aren't familiar, super familiar with John C. Maxwell, which I'm familiar. I'm not right. super familiar. I haven't read all of his books. Um, I know that one of the books that we have talked about that you that you've mentioned is the Twenty One Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. Yes. Dig into a few of them. Uh, I'm not right. going to quiz you and give you all the okay. you know, Twenty One. See if you make a you know make a hundred or okay. anything like that. But you know, top two or top three, a little teaser yeah. for our leader for our, okay. our listeners uh, and for them to kind of get a taste of that yeah. and um, you know maybe how they how if you have some success stories too. Sure. Of, yeah. This this uh, this law right here. Sure. I had a person that you know really struggled with it at first, and then you know they just took off from there.
2: Yeah, great, great question. Thank you. So, Maxwell, uh, you maybe heard the name Bill Hybels. A lot of the a lot of the leadership people that I've always been drawn to are like former pastors, actually. So they come from a context of faith, um, but the principles they teach um, are very timeless, and so. Uh, the book Twenty One Irrefutable Laws. It's a book that I use with leadership Montgomery County. It's just a good solid curriculum for leaders to be reminded again of principles that, like, if I would guess, if you did a survey on the Twenty One Laws, Andy, you would know fifteen of them, okay. and you would say, "Oh, I'm doing that." Yeah. And so the the premise of the book is really captured. I believe in the very first law, and that's the law of the lid. So the law of the lid says that if Chad's perform, and it really reflects, you know, what I like about a Maxwell book is that the belief is and hope is that you have been created with a lot of potential mm-hmm. and a purpose mm-hmm. right so that's kind of the understanding foundation but are you max how much of your potential are you maximizing
3: right, right.
2: research says most of us aren't even using 10 percent of our potential right so there's room to grow the law of the lid says if Chad can take himself from let's say Chad's performing at a four In theory, the the people that Chad is leading and serving, be that my family. I mean, again, the context of this is so applicable. It's not just corporate America or in your business. It's who you are in life. Mm -hmm. If you're performing at a four, that means that people that are under your authority can only perform up to that four. Now, there's a whole other story about how do you outperform your leader. But the theory of this law is as you get better, your team, your company mm-hmm. follows, right? So if we can take a leader from a four to a six, the, the team and the company rises with that. Because one of the principles of Maxwell is everything rises and falls on leadership. I believe that. My, my version of that is leadership affects everything. So if you think about the context of being a business owner or an entrepreneur, if you're performing at a six, in theory, if you raise your leadership ability, which there's hundreds of skills that go into leading, the performance of your company follows. And so that's really the first law. So people have a decision to make. And for me, it's a pH factor, I call it. It's either the pride that says, I'm good. Mm-hmm. If I'm in a four, that's, that's on me, mm-hmm. right? Or the humility says, oh, wow, I can grow.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I'm teachable, I'm willing, I'm open. I receive that. That's a real dividing line I'm finding in the mirror, first of all. But in life, leaders have the choice of saying, yes, I can grow and get better, yeah. or I'm good. And so the law of the lid is really a choice. Do you want to grow and get better? And if so, that you don't just poof that out. You have to be intentional. Yeah. And that's where you talk about specific strategies that will help you grow. But the law of the lid really is kind of the centerpiece of that book. Other laws that go with that... <clears throat> Like there's a law of process. Um, and to capture that very quickly is that, do you, do you think you can grow via the microwave mindset or are you more of the crock pot? It takes time. And so the law of process reminds us that it's a lifelong journey, right? It's not take a pill. It's not just read this book. But over time, if we marinate like in a crock pot. I mean, think about it, which, and I'm guessing you both cook, right, Nandy? And you like the star cook? Uh, yeah, you, I'd
0: like to think I do. Yeah. So
2: do you do you prefer something that's come out of the microwave or a crock pot in general? Yeah, right? oh, absolutely.
0: Definitely a crock pot. Yeah, yeah so flavor, yeah, time. Yeah. So
2: that's, that's another example of a mm-hmm. law. Uh, the last law in the book really captures something really meaningful to me. I guess now that I'm over 50, I'm thinking about legacy.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And so the last law is legacy. Well, what it kinda has a heart for succession planning for a leader. So as you grow, if you're an entrepreneur, who are you preparing to take your place, frankly, right? So in the context of corporate America, be it a principal, whatever framework you wanna use, the focus is on your legacy starts today. Mm-hmm. So what you're building today is gonna be impactful tomorrow. And just to have the mindset that you will leave a mark. I mean, you know, you know this as teachers. Mm-hmm. You left your handprints. Well, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> right? You, you you impacted kids. I have no doubt. Right? I mean, you, you left a mark on them.
3: Yeah.
2: That's legacy. Yeah. We're, we're, we're painting a picture. We're leaving a mark. And, and I go, I, I'll probably never have my name on a school. That's not even, I mean, I'm not down on the street. But I'm, I do believe as leaders, as people, we leave our names on yeah. people that we touch. in. Yeah. Serve and lead. So, legacy is how he wraps up the book. So, if you do these things, as you get better, you grow, your company grows, and you also leave a legacy. So, that's a snippet of the twenty one laws. It's a great read. Mm -hmm. I literally read it every time I teach it.
3: Yeah,
2: I get something out of it because typically I'm I'm either in a different place or in a different role. So, it is a pretty good generic, I would say, leadership book Mm -hmm. for any leader anywhere in their journey. And it's also very easy. It's an easy curriculum to administer and teach, even your team. Yeah. So, anyway, that's twenty-one laws.
0: Yeah, I imagine it can be also used as a as a barometer or, or a gauge of, of just continuing to go back to it. Yep. You know, because and actually, uh, I'll use Elizabeth as an example. I, don't know, I won't go into details for our listeners or anything, but uh, I was I was listening to her on a phone call the other day. And so, you know, one of the things that you know that we have of our business is understanding and compassion and and, and, a, and a tailored effect to to our potential clients and all that good stuff. And after she got off the call, I was like, I feel like you could have done a better job. You know, you are way, way better than, than what you were on that phone call. Yeah. And and so the leader in her, she could have said, Well, no, that was good enough, I'm good like you yeah. like you mentioned, or the humility side of saying, Man, Yeah, you're right. I I did, and she was very, and I and I really applaud her because she was very, you know, had a lot of humility. And if she has humility for me, that means she has humility because you know we've been been, at this point we've been together for ten years. (laughs) She's she's heard she's heard enough from me at this point. And so she said, "Man, yeah, you're right. I I need to go back and do a better job of of this of this you know thing, you know, talking on the phone and and doing a better job and paying attention." And so, with that. Going back to the book, as, as a leader, you know, say, hey, am I doing this? Yep. Am I thinking about my, if I'm getting later in my career or if, or if my business is maturing and I'm thinking about what the next thing is, am I thinking about my legacy? As a leader, <clears throat> I have people underneath me. Am I doing everything that I can so I'm not holding
2: my Absolutely. team back? Absolutely. Yeah. So, man, two, well, two things. First of all, I applaud y'all for caring enough about each other to say the truth and give feedback. Sure. That, that's, if we just Thank want you. to park there on one thing people hear and remember today. Yeah is if you really care about your business, if you care about your partner, you will have the courage and freedom to speak truth, right? We call that feedback. Mm -hmm. And I applaud you for receiving it. I would love to see the look on your face (laughs) when he said it. But you had a choice there, and he had a choice there. But I'm learning if if the audience hears nothing else, feedback can be one of your greatest tools Mm -hmm. to help you be more impactful and more successful. Mm -hmm. The other thing I was thinking about was um, as a leader, you know, I guess it starts in the mirror. We have to grow first or a business owner. Mm-hmm. But then I think one of the greatest privileges and responsibilities of a leader is to develop other people. Mm-hmm. So once we live that law and learn that law, then we have the responsibility to teach it.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: that's, that's really kind of the premise of this book as well. So someone may read it in the context of this is for me. Yep. But really, there's always an outflow of leadership that causes you to develop other people, hopefully. And it's really written for that twofold purpose.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that, and I think the the this is just my own opinion. I think the best leaders aren't necessarily the people that are at the end of the you know boardroom table saying you got to do this, you got to do this, and then they just go back to their office and never have interaction. the The best leaders are the people where their you know their their employees or whatever, yeah. their their team. They see that person every single day and like, okay, if he's doing that, if she's doing that, right, and I at least need to do this. Yeah, yeah. So they're they're actually living yeah. it. Yeah,
2: And we probably all have examples of both. I hope no one would ever put me in the class of, well, Chad was that guy that spoke and left the room. Sure. Yeah, sure. I mean, but I'm sure we've all experienced that. Oh, sure. Right? Well, There's that's where still-
1: feedback comes in, too. Because nope. it's yeah. so easy to just get caught up and think, you know, in your head, you know what you're doing and you're good, but it doesn't always come off like that in the perception. And I'm not going to act like I did not feel inside of my chest when he said that, like, wanting to be like yeah. it was fine are you kidding me look
2: at <laughs> this up a little bit, right?
1: but like i also that was not like that was the feeling that i had because i think that's the natural human reaction to want to defend yep. yourself yeah. but what came out of my mouth was okay tell me more about what you're talking about like what did you hear because yep. I know what I how I perceived the conversation. I was answering the guy's questions, and I was just trying to be as open with the guy as as I needed to be. But at the end of the day, I was answering his questions, yes, but I wasn't really focused on him. And there's a big difference mm-hmm. there. Yeah. And my answers to my questions don't really <laughs> matter. What matters is what does he need and why yeah. is he calling yeah. me. Uh-huh. And I was forgetting that. Yeah. And I appreciate getting that feedback and it's not fun to get anytime but i ask for that like Mm. i ask people please tell me like when i'm changing when i need to change even when i was a kid when i was dancing my dance teacher would say you know some of you guys are you know doing your arm funny or not pointing your toe properly or whatever he would say but it was always a generality Mm. like some of you are or are not doing what you are or not supposed to do yeah and Every time without fail, I would raise my hand and be like, "Am I that person? I need to know directly mm-hmm. if I am doing it right or wrong." And it's not that I can't look in the mirror and be like, self corrective, but sometimes you just are so used to the move, you're so used yeah. to the action that yeah. you're just you're. oh, good, I got it, and you almost right. see in the mirror that you've done it right, mm-hmm. yeah. and you need somebody to tell you yep. that you're that you got to adjust, and so.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah, there's so many life applications to that. That's. I mean, think about sports. I don't know if you you coached football. I did. Right? I did. Did you I, I, use I, video or? Oh my gosh! Right. That, I mean, you that, had those that was
0: so much of my yeah. life. Yeah, yeah
2: that's so. And coaches give feedback, right? Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah,
2: they get all the yeah. feedback.
0: Well, of, you know, and, and what's, to to digress just for a, to a second, like the of the evolution of a of a leader. Um, so I so I was a coach. I was a coach in my early and mid twenties. I'm a completely different person now i mean i've been out of coaching longer than i was in it at this point and look kind of having some things you know looking back of you know maybe when i lost my temper or i gave feedback in one way and i i could have done a way better job if i had done it in a different way and so that's the challenge as you go on yeah of i think not beating yourself up because i certainly can't go back and change it but yeah are you evolving are you getting better and I know if I, if I went back into coaching, and don't worry, Elizabeth, I'm not. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> talk about not having a social life and never seeing your significant right. other. Yeah, that's a uh, I would be a way, I would, first off, I would be way more patient. I would be way more compassionate. Okay. Uh, I would have a lot more empathy. Yep. Uh, because I think I have more experiences now, too. I had a very limited, I mean, I was 22, 23 when I started coaching. You've you know, grown. You've yeah, matured, I, right? I'm glad so, I have.
2: Yeah. I think that's true for leaders. I mean, Absolutely. I, so I have a shout-out to Bob Koenig. I don't know if y'all have met yeah. Bob. Yeah, Okay, yeah. awesome guy. He's, I would actually consider him one of my coaches okay. about a year ago. But he really showed me a great uh, feedback technique. In balance, you want to give four reinforcements to everyone, correction. In balance.
3: Mm-hmm. So
2: there's days Chad just needs corrections. <laughs> I get that, right? But we also, in the human spirit, need to be validated. And I'm not saying give sugar. It's got to be real and specific. Right. But God, Bob really showed me the power of just that four to one ratio. Mm. And so I'm trying, I'm a feedback junkie now. I ask for it all the time. Yeah, yeah. And there's two aspects of that. We have to give it, but we also have to receive mm-hmm. it. And that, again, that, if, if you could master that as a leader and in your business in 2019, yeah. I promise you the results will change. Yeah. It's just a great, I'm glad we parked there for a little bit.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I will say one mm-hmm. more thing, for, especially for people that are married and work together. One of the one of the principles <laughs> that I have learned, and, and Elizabeth can take all the credit for this, is not just feedback, but approach. If I had approached okay. it in a different way, yep. oh, she would have had a way different reaction. <laughs> she would have said, "You shut up! Don't tell me what to do!" Right? And and I approached it in a much. Um, uh, it was so she would not feel that she needed to be defensive. Right. Uh, I approached it and, and I kind of, you know, you kind of do the, the, uh, the compliment sandwich. Yep. Hey, you know, you did a great job. You know, you asked a lot of questions, but I know that you can be better because I've seen you yep. do better but it's fine. You know, don't, don't worry about it. You, you got, you know, you, you did what you needed yeah. to do and, and I don't think he, you know, was, was put yeah. off. So it was, yeah, it was, yeah, it was the approach. So anyone but who, but was, I would uh, think
2: you would find that true with customers. Oh my yeah. gosh. Right? Oh yeah. I mean, it's the same Always principle, yeah,
0: right? For sure.
2: Yeah. So interesting.
0: Yeah. That's <laughs> okay. Interesting. Okay. Good, so good en- stuff. En- enough about, you know, me and, and us and rambling and whatever. So, so back to you, it's, you, you are the guest, you are the star of the show. Uh, another, um book that you had mentioned and I do want to have a chance to, to dig into this a little bit yeah. uh, John Maxwell book is The 15 Invaluable Laws of yes. Growth and yes. so just again I'm not going to quiz you on, on all 15 but you know one or two uh, yeah, kind of like what you did with uh, the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership okay. you know, one or two of those um, yeah. if, if someone's going to pick up that book they, they can immediately go to that and say okay I remember I Chad it. talking okay. about this now, okay. what, uh, now what else is there too
2: and I, I'm going to gift you with both those books. Oh, thank you. Um, so the 15 invaluable laws. Again, it's about growth doesn't just happen. You know, part of the the foundation, and a lot of people say this. There's no finish line to growth, right? We all have room to grow. I would be the first one to get in line and say I have room to grow. So that's part of the premise. <clears throat> so one of the laws is the law of intentionality. That we have to we have to have a growth plan. One of the one of the things I learned. I think in junior high, it was actually called, you know, from church camp, you need to have a quiet time. You need to read your Bible, pray every day. You know, it's kind of that habit of growing spiritually. Well, it's the same premise as a leader. What am I doing on purpose every day to feed my mind, my body, my spirit to get better? And I have to have a plan. It, it can't just be, oh, today I feel like it. Mm-hmm. No, these are non-negotiable. So real quickly, my growth plan is I read good books. I bribe awesome people with breakfast and lunch or coffee. (laughs) And I sit at their feet and ask questions and I shut up and listen. And then I journal. So that sounds maybe like a soft growth plan, but those are things. If you look on my calendar, I have specifics that I I, I pursue (laughs) that on on purpose. So the first law is a law of intentionality. I've got it. If I can get a little personal, I may even, I've got a soft heart here. Uh, One of the laws is a law of rubber band. That we you know, if you think about a rubber band, I almost wore one. <clears throat> a rubber band's at its best when it's wet. Stretched. Stretched. Mm-hmm. So I'm a single dad. Uh, two Josh and Jesse are with me. I was working one summer at a camp. Um, and there we were in actually it's when we lived in Boone, North Carolina.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I and so we're spending
2: the summer at this camp in Texas that I just had a long relationship with. So the kids' mom's away. Dad of the year, have these two kids in this camp. Well, about halfway through the eight weeks, you know, dad of the year is like, okay, we can do this. We're going to focus on the positive. You know, what, what can you think of today, Jesse? And she was nine, I think, at the time. Josh was 12. Anyway, fast forward, long story short, it was a, day, it was a daily thing to encourage a nine-year-old Right, And so part of the premise was, this is going to grow our character. This, mm-hmm. this, this opportunity, this challenge we're going through is going to stretch us. And I gave Josh and Jesse and myself, we all wore, wore a rubber band. Mm-hmm. The last day of camp, and I have this framed on my wall, Jesse came up to me and had drawn a picture, nine years old, right? And the picture was of a cat. But the whisker, what do you think the whiskers were made out of? Rubber band? rubber the rubber band, cool. And she wrote on their <clears throat> dad, I've stretched. And so oh, that marked awesome. a moment for me. That's Truly, cool. I'm chill bumping. But if a nine-year-old can get it, I should be able to get the whole concept yeah. of I have to grow on purpose. And sometimes growth requires us to be stretched mm-hmm. like a rubber band. So that's, that's really my favorite law. Andy, I'm glad you asked about that. That's awesome. Um, and Jesse and I still joke about that today. Um, but a lot of times, as just a visual reminder, I'll throw rubber bands. I don't know that we had them out on Live to Lead, but Mm-mm. I'm the little kid that likes visuals. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of times, if I'm doing a workshop, <clears> I'll throw rubber bands out. But it's just that picture that reminds us we have to stretch. I mean, I know you've gone through times in your life where you've stretched, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so we're better for it. Because yeah. just a docile rubber band doesn't fulfill its potential. Mm-hmm. And so that's a, another example of a law, and that book, uh, Andy, the fifteen invaluable laws, really has more of a in the mirror focus. It's more of, I would call it, more of a personal growth book. Okay. you could do it with a team of people, mm-hmm. but it's a little. So I think in terms of curtains and you danced. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if curtains and dancing go together. They sure do. <laughs> we all open up the initial curtain and say, "Hey, my name is Chad, and yeah, I'm this." And but there's multiple curtains. Sure. So, sure the twenty one laws is more probably focused for a leader and a team whereas the fifteen invaluable laws really requires you to on your own in the mirror to peel back the curtains a little deeper mm-hmm. and really take an inside look because again I think leadership starts in mm-hmm. anyway and so yeah, we've got sure. we've got to get the inside job right,
3: right. before
2: we can do the outside job <clears throat> and so that fifteen invaluable laws if 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 someone's looking for a growth plan read that book yeah and, and I get excited talking about those (laughs) things because they they truly if we apply those principles I've seen it work in my own life I've seen it work in a nine year old and I've seen it work in teams. you're asking me for some stories so um, if we are willing to grow I mean the potential is unlimited I believe Mm. so
0: so uh, I want to rewind a little bit and I I love the opportunity to talk with people that have gone through transitions we've gone through the transition we were teachers and you know that time was we we knew that it was done teaching knew that it was done for us and we knew that we were done for for teaching and then we had this transition okay what what are we going to do um you know sometimes it was it was great sometimes it was not so great and so you transitioned from being a teacher into uh, going in working for uh, Buckner International yep. uh, as the executive director. So talk about what was you know was it a was it a calling? Was it just an amazing opportunity where you're like, hey, look, this is an opportunity for me to grow. I'm going to continue right. doing what I want to accomplish. It's just rather than being a CISD employee, yeah. I'm going to be the executive director at Buckner International. Yeah. Um, talk a little bit about that transition okay. and you know the I guess the the call or the the inspiration.
2: Yeah. Good word. So that, that's, uh, so going from teaching to Buckner, just a personal note, that's, that's when I experienced the divorce. Okay. So Liz and I are blended. I had an amazing do over. Never thought I would even say that word out loud. Right. But that's part of life for a lot of people. And so ironically, the transition from CSD to Camp Buckner was that fire in my life. Okay. So I, the only reason I share that is because it was an opportunity for me to really get real with myself. Mm-hmm. And sometimes as a leader, we have to get very real. And so on paper, it looked great. I, I'd, I'd met Buckner, Camp Buckner, because I did ropes course training across the state. And so I built relationships with all these camps. And through those relationships, when that job came open, the former director said, hey, dude, you're the guy. Because mm-hmm. it did. I loved your word calling. It fit my desire to serve children and families it fit my desire to serve and lead. I love camp because, again, that's all about someone going away and growing. So it just aligned up with my values and my experience, and I would like to thank my gifts, right? But a big part of that story is, first of all, it's really the first executive leadership job I never had, mm-hmm. so I was way over my head on that. <laughs> Plus, I had this whole life thing going on, and we all know, that life goes on for entrepreneurs and leaders and people. You you can't just separate yourself from Mm -hmm. that. And that's a reality that I have learned to appreciate and hopefully encourage people in. I made it. I I was face down under my desk most days, (laughs) Elizabeth, (laughs) saying, how am I going to get through the next hour? Right? Right? Because I had, during the summer, up to 200 employees. And so I was over my head, Andy. Um, But the transition caused me to anchor down remember my calling, remember my purpose, stand on those principles. It was really an opportunity, I think, looking back. It didn't make sense at the time, but it was an opportunity to go to that next level and really practice those tools I knew worked, right? So at the CSD, being a ropes course director, I built teams, but it wasn't at the level of this was the team as a CEO I was responsible for, right? But it was an opportunity to practice those principles. So Mm -hmm. it was really my first learning lab of executive leadership. So I leaned on my leader. I rate, when I'm in trouble or smell smoke, I'm very comfortable asking for help. Mm -hmm. And so even while I didn't necessarily maybe say every day, hey team, I have no idea what I'm doing. They could see it on my face probably. (laughs) I asked for help. I mean, I sought mentors. That's where I really probably started my first coaching relationship with someone outside of that organization. It was a mentor. And that was huge for me as a new executive. Mm-hmm. So that transition really, it really caused me to go to the basics and remember, what, why am I here? What's mm-hmm. my purpose? Because feelings and circumstances aren't necessarily the best guide, especially through difficult times. Yeah. And so for me, it was an opportunity to step out of the smoke and fire a little bit and lean on those values and those people that I treasured And that's really, I think, what what got me through that. It really helped me refine what my core values were and what principles of leadership I really believed in. Um, And not to mention, we changed the model while I was there. I mean, it was really a seven-year learning lab of leadership that I'm so thankful for. Um, It taught me a lot. It taught me what not to do (laughs) as much as it taught me or reminded me of what to do. Mm And so it was, that was a special time. I'm glad you asked about that. That's also where I met Liz. So that that was a special icing on the cake from that experience. Yeah,
0: yeah. Talk about that. What what was uh what, what was that what that time like? So if, if anyone knows uh, how how Elizabeth and I met, we had like some people I guess call it an interesting story. So we're always interested. How do how do other people meet? You know, cool story, what, right? Yeah. What is
2: what? So I'm a single dad. Yeah in the hill country just literally trying to survive every day yeah, yeah. um and liz was a manager with buckner from another organization okay. and so we we were hosting because we had a 300 bed have y'all ever been to a camp i'm sure y'all been to yeah. a camp commerce yeah. center um and so we were hosting this buckner training and i had the habit as a ceo i, I tried to greet every car that showed up mm-hmm. i mean i just wanted to give red carpet that's cool. to everybody and that's how i met her I, I walked out to this car had no idea who i was going to meet And this lady walks out and I literally lost my breath. I mean, I I greeted her. I'm not making this up. And I walked, we lived on property. I walked home and I was like, what just happened? Uh, The last thing I was even thinking about was a relationship. I was trying to keep a camp conference center alive and (laughs) two two kids fed. Right. But that was our encounter. That's cool. And we started talking literally, it was on October 3rd.
3: Um,
2: and we marked that date and, uh, Again, I wouldn't wish divorce on anybody, sure. but there's been a great healing and do-over for us. Mm-hmm. I was married almost 20 years. She was married almost 24 years. And so we met there and just started talking, mm-hmm. and here we are 12 years later.
3: Yeah. Nice it was kind
2: have. of a love at first sight thing. So Sounds anyway, and like I'd love yeah. to hear more about y'all's that's story, great. but that's <laughs> that's the, the truth of a cinder road in the hill country yeah. meeting each other. Sounds it's very cool.
1: cool how like life happens, though, and like, you get an opportunity to do something and there's so much more within that opportunity than yeah. you expected.
2: Not even yeah. looking for it. That's right. right? Yeah. So anyway, it was a good icing to a really tough season.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, you never know where your next opportunity is going to come from. And I think <laughs> as long as you are open to it, Right. I mean, yeah, an opportunity can reveal itself in, in very, yep. very very different ways. Yeah. Um, and we
2: stayed there, I guess, about four more years. And actually, it started a catering business. Liz is a cook. Okay. Like knows what she's doing, yeah. <laughs> and so she had a very successful catering business while we were there. Um, so it's a special place. Yeah. Camp, Camp Buckner's a a lot of marked moments there. Cool. Well, so, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I mean, that, that was kind of off the cuff. And, no, no, no. no. I, hope, so I hope I hope it encourages people. Yeah,
0: and sh- you sharing that. That was very
2: absolutely cool. those, yeah. those 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 teach us a lot about who we are. Mm-hmm. I mean, so we can put on the face of leadership every day, but even there in that trench. I mean, I I would like to think people respected and trusted me even when I left because I I had to be raw. Yeah. And so I had to be real. And so it just solidified that for me. So those fires that come, Andy, I think if we learn from them, those are some of our greatest teachable moments, right? So I'm always encouraged to talk about those. Yeah,
0: yeah. So along your journey, when did, at what point did you... uh, start getting magnetized to john maxwell where Mm -hmm. you were like man this this is this stuff is great because you know you know you alluded to the books that we have up there and there are all the books we would not put them up there and keep them up there if we one didn't read them and and think that they were you know beneficial but there certainly are books that stand out more than than others and so what what at what point along the way were you like dude i'm looking at my Bookshelf here, and like everything is John Maxwell.
2: Man, this is yeah. this is
0: incredible. This I'm up to my eyeballs this, and I love it. You know, we, at, at what point did you start realizing that, that this was this well, was really, fantastic for you?
2: Um, so back to the ropes course in yeah. contrasty. Yeah. That's how I really connected with LMC for the first time. Okay. I, and I'll, I'll get. I'm gonna answer your question. I promise. Sure. No. No. Go but for it. Uh, LMC in 1998. So this is my 20th year to serve LMC at some level. Asked me to do a three day retreat cool so I leave the meeting with Steve Sanders and Frankie Alexander who are just legends in the county and I drove home and I thought what in the world am I going to do for three days mm-hmm. right I know ropes course I was going to be a part of it I know activities but what's the curriculum so I went home mm-hmm. 21 laws of leadership um, and I thought okay I'm going to pull some some laws from this book and that's going to be the content mm-hmm. so 20 years later I'm still using, using some of that same content but I have I have as many books that aren't Maxwell that sure. I do Maxwell. Sure. But his his guidance for me in terms of having a curriculum. I mean, I I love to create. I still create some of my own content if you will. Mm-hmm. But to have that base and that toolbox to go to and why reinvent in my mind? Why reinvent principles that work, right? right. I try to present them Chad style and meet the needs of the audience that I'm working with. But at least the context is there. Mm -hmm. So that's been a huge asset for me as a coach, speaker, facilitator, is I can pull from some really solid curriculum. Um, But I have other books, too. I mean, You you asked me that question about some of my books, so you're going to laugh at me, right? I think the first book that really changed my life was The Little Engine That Could. Love it. Have y'all read that?
0: Absolutely, yeah. I literally Love
2: paused on the way down here after I dropped off Liz and thought, where can I go buy them that book? Um, just that whole I think I can attitude, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, I still think about that. Yeah, that's great. Um, so there are books like that besides Maxwell that have really impacted me, but yeah. the gift from Maxwell to me, and now that I'm even licensed on his team, is I have the freedom to use that curriculum. Yeah. So. Let's talk about the
0: books. Yeah. So, so John Maxwell books aside, because uh, yep. I'm sure you know we could do multiple podcasts, or we could do a, you know hours worth of podcast of just one book. Yeah. So, so Maxwell books aside, The Little Engine That Could. Yeah. Uh, is a, it's it's an incredibly a book. impactful book. Talk <laughs> talk about some others.
2: You know, when I really so I have a, a mentor Jim Gentry, who's a, a custom home builder in Conroe, who's a former city councilman. He's been giving me books since junior high. He still gives me a book. He keeps a box of books in his truck. Um, so he, I can remember in high school, so I graduated in 83. That was when the Promise Keepers deal was really popular. With Men would go to these conferences and hear people speak. Uh, I'm a big Eldridge fan, like Wild at Heart, John Eldridge. Um, I've read most of his stuff. Uh, there's a great book. Uh, I don't remember the author's name, but it really changed my... I think it changed my DNA as a husband and as a man. It's called Tender Warrior. And it was really about leading yourself well as a man so you could lead your family. That was kind of the context. But I think, Andy, that's really reminded me, and even Elizabeth, in your work, you have to really be a warrior. Mm-hmm. I mean, leadership and owning businesses is not for sissies.
1: No, it's not.
2: Right? And so it's just a, a book about having grit mm-hmm. and value and, and being willing to stand at the gate, is my phrase from that book. Another book around that time, I don't remember the author, I'm sorry, it was called Point Man. Okay. <clears throat> and it was, again, about being... It was a military context. Oh, what's the guy... It was a, like a Chuck Swindoll book, maybe? Anyway, he, he gave the story about... I think that's what they called people that would go out on mission, there was always a man on point. Mm-hmm. I need to ask Terry and Josh all those guys about that. But that was the context. Are yeah. you on point yeah. for your family, your business, your company, yeah. your mission, whatever you're leading? So those those were books that really... I mean, I've read hundreds, maybe a thousand books, right? And I've read the Think and Grow and all those things. And and they've all impacted me, don't? But these are books. When you asked me that question, I really went to my closet of closets and thought about, what are those books that really changed me forever? And those are some of them. There's another great book uh, by John Ortberg, I think his last name is. I think he's on staff at the Woodlands Church now, by the way. Um, He wrote a great book, If You Want to Walk on Water, You Have to Get Out of the Boat. (laughs) <laughs> it's Aww. right and so again you know, it's got some, it. it's got some faith context um but the principles of that are if you're here and you want to get to there sometimes you have to take a risk mm-hmm. it's that first step right so those are just some of the books that that came to mind but i would still go back to the little engine that could yeah um, i love that, it. that was probably the start <laughs> that's so
0: cool we so we did a a podcast um a little while ago um and we we discussed our most impactful books because a lot of times this conversation gets wow, I'm going. I'm curious, what was and, one of your top yeah, one or two? And and people ask us, you know yeah. well, well, what are your books? And so a lot of people kind of prodded us. They were like, well, guys, why don't you do a podcast just about these books? Because you guys yeah. talk about them all the time. Yeah. And when you bring up Little Engine the Could, I you, you kind of chuckle and you know, you you might have this like, oh, don't you know, don't roll your eyes when I tell you this, but. Uh, I can com- I completely empathize. One of my favorite books, and it's been impactful since I was a little kid, is a book, and I have it. A- you can't actually see it because it's-, it's very thin. It's a- yeah. it's a children's book. Is when is Saturday? And it's a book, it's, it's based on the character of Grover from Sesame okay. Street. Yeah. And ultimately, um, and, 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 and and listeners can go back to the podcast and like, hear me talk way more about it. But ultimately, I love it. Uh, he's excited that his uncle is coming on, on Saturday and it's the weekend before. Well, his mom says, hey, that's a long time from now. We have a lot to do. And so he he, does, he doesn't just keep himself busy. He's, he's got a lot of tasks. He's got yep. responsibilities. He's got to go to school. got to get his yep. homework done. And that was, my mom was the same way with me and my, my two brothers. She was a single mom for a very long time. Oh, and wow. so we would have these road trips we would go on. Um, we would do have all these awesome things. But in the meantime, we had to, she was like, hey, you guys got to do this. You got to do this. so awesome, that man. taught us. Yeah. Hey, you can't just sit around and just, you know, count the passing days and then you just, you, you, yep. you didn't work to get this goal. You didn't work to get this, this free time, or whatever. So that's, that's yeah. a
2: beautiful, thanks for sharing that. Oh, you're welcome. Well, and your mom's yeah. heroic. I think some of the most yeah, heroic people on the planet, yeah. when I think of even success, is for a single mom to survive and their kids talk to them and go to school and, and mm-hmm. create a life like you are. I mean, that's a huge affirmation to your mom. I just thought of another book too. It's called Balcony People. Okay. Um, and it's an old, but I'm so bad about not remembering authors. It's a real short read. I use this a lot of times in talking about the whole premise of the book um, is we have the opportunity to sit in the balcony of other people's lives, and we either cheer them on, right, or boom them down. Wow! Right? Oh, this is awesome. Um, okay, awesome. I'm gonna. I'll get that for our grandkids. <laughs> but Balcony People is a great read. That's always reminded me, and I say it out loud all the time have the opportunity to lift people up or tear them down mm-hmm. simple read but that stuck with me and so again I, I appreciated the question about books i'm curious what's one of your books yeah. that?
1: okay so i think the book that got me like started started is um what got you here won't get you there mm-hmm. i love that book because i just love all of the concept behind it of like you've done all these things and you've gotten to this cool place like let's just say like i'm a team lead for something yep. Okay, well that's great but that does not mean that you're done growing learning yes. being who you're supposed to be yeah and it was very neat to see how marshall goldsmith like talked about the different people that he had been kind of coaching through their leadership role and how they needed to adjust their approach like he yep. talked about earlier and <laughs> yeah different things like that and it really made me reflect on like Okay. Wow. I can't ever sit here and think that I'm just like done. Right. Like, and that that was just a big that was a big book for me to really
2: yeah
1: like be self reflective. Yeah,
2: I think you mentioned that book actually when Mm -hmm. we had coffee or whatever. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, it's it's one of my favorites. I really like Marshall Goldsmith. We uh, a few years ago we went on a I guess late honeymoon. honeymoon,
2: Essentially.
1: And um, we were driving to the airport, and Andy realized he had forgotten books. And all we wanted to do was lay on the beach and read. Yeah. That's it. That's yeah. it. Uh, that's, no that's
0: like our ideal vacation. Like, yeah, Unless that's we awesome. go to a, you know, a city and, and we're we're on you know, adventures, or whatever. Yep. Our ideal vacation is we go to a Love beach. It. You know, we had no cell phones, whatever, and we love bring it. a book or two, and that's all we do.
3: Mm-hmm. So, anyway, so it. Andy
1: was upset that he had forgotten books, and I was like, well, you know what? It's not really a big deal. Like, there's books in the airport. You know, yeah. we can find something. And he's like, yeah, but they don't have anything good there. They're all like romance models. And things. Oh, like, I, yeah, I was like, oh,
0: Tom Clancy? What Yeah, like, great. Nothing against yeah. Tom Clancy. Yeah.
1: But anyways, <laughs> yeah. and I we got there, and I was like, okay, let's just go over here and look at some books. And we both uh, picked up some books. Uh, one's called The Power of Habits. Yeah. Okay. And... The other one was called Triggers, and that oh, was Marshall oh, Goldsmith. Yeah, that God was right. the first Marshall Goldsmith book I read. <laughs> yeah. And he talks about what got you here won't get you there. So Triggers was excellent. Yeah. But what got you here won't get you there was just, like, mind-blowing oh, for me. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So it's cool. Marshall. Like, those yeah. are the books, really, actually, that got us started on this whole personal development Journey. Yeah. Do you go sure. back
2: and read them at, at times? I have or not gone you... back and read okay. them.
1: One thing we did talk about is making some like a a word document of all the. So we, underlining. we write in them. And, we write in uh, them We, them we take a
0: highlighter and a pen and we fold the corners and underline yeah. and make notes in the margins. I mean, we if someone was if someone wanted to take one of our books off the shelf, like oh it looks like it's light leaves and they open up like oh my god you guys destroyed you, yeah, this that's thing
2: sacred yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah I I love audio but mm-hmm. I'm still the old school I oh, write yeah. highlight note. Yeah. Yeah. And I like to reread stuff. I think it's just my third grade level, probably. But, um, I don't know. I just I like going back to yeah. uh, to some of those things. Another great book, Go Getter. Oh my God! Um, yes. Have y'all read that? Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, that's a good book. And then the, an older book, I think it's by Foster, A Celebration of Discipline. It, again, it has more of a faith context, but it really talks about creating those non-negotiables in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, this that was fun. Yeah. I'll let, I love seeing this and hearing that that's very cool.
0: Yeah, we uh well I think to to your point going back and reading a book if it's that impactful you know you're unless you're just a superhuman robot uh, you know, you're not going to be programmed after you read the book and like, okay, that's that's your your modus yeah. operandi You know, going forward, right. you're right. you're gonna you know deviate off the path a little bit. There's some of the principles that you've learned, and so you do. You need to go back. You need to reread it, or at least thumb yeah. through some of the notes that you looked at. So yeah, you make that point. You know, yeah,
2: well, I, I, I live very simply. I mean, I, that's so I I try to take more of a deeper approach. Mm-hmm. That I want to. I not only just learn it. I want to master it. Yeah. And so I'm, it, it's probably just me. I, I can't really multitask that much. I can't do 10 things, great. But, man, if I can do one or two or three things and really nail it. And, and that's been, I don't know where that habit started. Uh, but I, I go back and reread things. I mean, I always read something new.
3: Yeah.
2: But I still go back to those timed, special these. Yep. Yep. That's right. right? That yeah. really left that mark. Anyway.
0: So I'm, I'm curious, what is the next thing for you then that you are saying Hey, look! I, uh, to go to the next level. Yeah. I want to
2: master this. Ooh, great question. So I'm reading the book Traction, which I know has yeah. been out for a while. Yeah. Uh, from Megan uh, mm-hmm. with. Uh, so and many.
3: Guests. So many
0: of our. listeners, anyway. or so many of our of our, our of our guests have mentioned that book Traction.
2: Okay, yeah. so here's what I've loved about it. First, I respect Megan a whole lot, and I'm learning from her. Um, but it it gives people a a path. And so I would like to think I have curriculums and path. And I I do. I have strategies that you can implement. Because I'm learning a lot of times people... This is a long one. I think it has to start within here. And we have to have the will and the grit to to execute. Because I think implementation is really what sets people apart in terms of mediocrity to excellent. Mm -hmm. Right? I mean, when you're coaching, you had strategies and plays. Right? And so I think what traction can give someone is it gives them very specific steps and a process and a path. Mm -hmm. It's interesting, and I don't mean this boastfully, a lot of what I've loved about traction and that resonates with me are a lot of principles that I really believe in and have been speaking. But this really, the author does a really good job of really spelling it out very clearly. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I'm trying to to grow in my life Mm -hmm. as a coach. I want to be more specific about here's some steps, here's some tools and really drill that down a little more clearly. Because mm-hmm. I think I think sometimes I can know what I'm trying to say, and I get it. But making sure the client really gets it at the most basic level. Uh, is it okay to say sexy? I guess I've already <laughs> said that, right? <laughs> so I'm not into the sexy, shiny stuff. Sure. I, I mean, it's pretty and all that stuff. I want to give someone something real mm-hmm. they can put in their hand and start using today that's going to make a difference. And mm-hmm. I think traction speaks at that level more than the shiny
3: Mm.
2: Stuff. It's like yeah. these are proven steps that businesses have done and they've been successful. It's almost a do this. Yeah. Right? I mean, you still have to put your own spin, you have to put your own people in it. But what, and again, that's just my ignorance speaking. I haven't even finished the book yet. But what I like about it is very systematic. Yeah. And so that's that's where I'm trying to get better as a coach, as a speaker, is having more of a system, almost like a turnkey, kind of. Right? If you, because you don't really need Chad to grow. But if I can walk beside you for a period of time Mm -hmm. and give you some tools and be there to blow the whistle when you need it or pat you on the back when you need it, ultimately my goal is to empower you to where you don't need me, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, every coach should hopefully approach you that way, right? It's not a dependent relationship. It's a season where we can walk beside people. So if I can be more systematic, I think that's going to help me get better as a coach, as a speaker. Good question. Awesome.
0: Thank you for sharing that. I know that was yeah. a little off the cuff. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, so one of the questions that I, and I and I kind of included this in our in our in our prep, uh, you attended Baylor University. Uh played collegiate Is baseball. Is that okay?
2: You're not going to hold that against us. Of no, course. No no, no. Okay.
0: No, no, no. Well, we are not God. originally from <laughs> Texas. We we love Texans of 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 all all backgrounds and, yeah. and collegiate backgrounds. No, we have a yeah. lot of friends that actually went, went to Baylor. Okay. Um, so no, no, no. I was teasing. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm sure, married sure. to an Aggie, yeah. Okay. I know the
2: Longhorns are like really yeah. happy right now. So. Oh my gosh, yeah. Um,
0: so, I, and I'm always curious about this. I went. I went to the University of Iowa. Elizabeth went to Appalachian State. Both places. We went there because we wanted to go. We loved. We loved the idea of going there, and so yeah. I'm always curious of people's choices to where they attended school. Yep. Um, was it? And it could be a, a different um, you know, uh, a, a choice, but sure. you, I, I always ask, was it a passionate decision or was it a practical
2: decision? Good question. I would say both. Okay. Yeah. So I, I wanted to be the next Johnny Bench. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So my, uh, I signed with the University of Houston my freshman year and played there my freshman year. And I was the little kid from Conroe that was overwhelmed with big. Mm. So again, baseball, my dream was to be a pro ball player. Mm. That's really what my passion was. And so the path led me from University of Houston to a community college in Waco, McLennan, Mm -hmm. that had a very good reputation. Um, And then from McLennan, I really wanted to go to A&M, to be honest. Mm -hmm. They didn't need a catcher. So that took that out of the equation. I mean, I I was recruited, but Baylor approached me. And so I have Baptist roots, have a ton of friends that had gone there, and they needed a catcher. So it was kind of a passionate, practical thing. Um, I'm so glad I went there because some of the greatest friends I have, I met there, right? And so even though baseball didn't work out like I thought it would, it taught me so much about life, Um, and I'm glad and thankful that I I attended there. And I even go back now and and do some things on campus for kids and staff, and so it's fun to be a part of an alma mater like that. Mm -hmm. But it was more of a practical, frankly. Sure. Sure. But it became a passion when I got there. Yeah, yeah, thank so you. Okay. I don't wear green and gold yeah. socks, but I do say "Sick 'em Bears" now a lot yeah. more. So
0: yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I yeah, I don't wear black and gold socks that often. <laughs> <laughs> when when Iowa is, is on on the TV, um, yep. which I I always find where they are. I'm sure yep. you know, Elizabeth is, gets sick after football season is over. With I'm sure she's sick of. Uh, you know, the University of Now, Oklahoma. App State had a good year, though, right? Yes, they did. Won their bowl
1: game again. Okay.
0: Yeah. Okay. They mm-hmm. they are incredible. Yeah. Uh, just to divert just real quick and you bringing that up. Uh, so, of course, me being a coach, I, you know, always, I was always curious following success, coaches who were being successful. Yeah. And, like, oh, yeah. at schools that, you know, Appalachian State, you think that, like, they're not University of Texas, they're not Southern Cal and Ohio right. State. Like, how the heck are you winning at this place in the mountains of North Carolina right you know
1: because we're
0: awesome that's right and so I'm a big research guy I I, I have a degree in history and so I love like digging into stuff like well how is this yeah how did this get to get to be and so when when her and I um started dating I of course already knew that a lot about Appalachian State uh in general and so then they made the transition if anyone is a a football nerd like me uh, or sports nerd in general Appalachian State did play in one double a Right. Uh, football and then they made the trans- transition four years ago to Division One, which is that's a big, that's, that's big a jump. big jump, and it? they are killing it. And so, so what do you what
2: did you discover? <sighs> what did your research discover?
0: Yeah, so they so they I originally initially had a really great coach. Uh, his name is Gary Moore. Gary Moore. Gary Moore. Gary Moore. Jerry Moore. They coached yep. there for years and years and years and won three national championships. Well, and beat Michigan. And
1: uh, yes, yes. It's a notable game <laughs> that they beat Were Michigan. I was not I was at school, I was not at Michigan. Oh, okay. I was in I was Boone in Michigan. Okay. and the whole town blew up the whole weekend. It was the best weekend uh, ever. And so anytime crazy. I ever meet anybody from Michigan now, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I beat you yeah, I, right. Right. I mean it was like ten years ago at this that's point, awesome. but yeah.
0: <laughs> I love it that they won three national championships in a row. All right. Yeah, the that was best incredible. division one AA A team in the land. But their biggest, like, what they always bring up is not the national championships. Isn't it's that funny? In Michigan.
2: Yeah, yeah, isn't that funny? Yeah, like, awesome. That's a story, isn't they it? They were on
1: the cover of Sports yeah. Illustrated. Yeah. I did go to all the national championships games, and that oh, was an wow. experience of a lifetime. Yeah. Those were so cool. <laughs> yeah. But uh, beating Michigan was a very pride-propful pride, pride yeah. yeah, moment. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. So,
0: so to answer your question, what I, what I found <laughs> was, first off, they had a very clear stated goal. Yep. the the or, it was it was an organization it was a, okay it was an organized organization yep. and there's a difference oh my gosh yeah, yeah yeah and so Jerry Moore was there for a very long time very very successful well ultimately and this was a risk that they took uh, when they were making the transition from Division One they kind of like encouraged him to retire and ultimately uh, because he didn't he wasn't convinced that that was yeah. the most beneficial and so then they um, uh, inserted their offensive coordinator, a guy named Scott Satterfield. And at the time of recording, he's now the Louisville uh, coach. He just, oh, wow. he's been, he was so successful the first yeah. four years, first four years for Appalachian State, went to a bowl game every year, wow. won their bowl game every year. I think I think every year except for one, they won 10 or more games, which wow, is that's incredible, yeah. incredible. And so Scott Satterfield, he was able to, take it to a whole different level. And so I'm, now I'm very, very interested in, okay, yeah. what are they going to do now? Now they have this transition. Now they're kind of off into the deeper end of the pool and with someone new, with a new, new leader.
2: But and that's I So, know, so I love the context of that because that's where you look at a book like <clears throat> Traction or mm-hmm. you look at what, what were those systems he had in place, yep. so much of his process.
3: Yeah.
2: And that's what sets apart organizations from an organized. Or, so I would guess he's implementing principles that he practiced at upstate. App- state oh yeah. you know what i'm saying oh i mean that's there's a lot of learning in that research it's way deeper than just football yeah oh you know yeah. what i mean yeah because a lot of everyone's going through changes and organizational change and it's like okay what are those steps we know that are proven mm-hmm. that work so that's cool
0: yeah and that's why i still have uh a lot of football coaching books up yep. there because it wasn't just about X's and O's of football and how to how to diagram a dive or you know whatever. It was their leadership style. Because I wanted to move up and I did wanted you, to be a head coach. I wanted to be. Did agent. you have an
2: icon? Did you have like someday I want to be like Bear Bryant? Oh or, man, who was kind of your? Because yeah. my dad was a head football coach most of my childhood.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, who who is your model or
0: yeah? So ultimately, it's it's probably a combination of four different four different guys. Okay. Uh, Tony Dungy. Yep. Uh, incredible incredible man of faith. Yep. A uh, very different mold than a lot of uh, football coaches is because he was very like calm, stoic, quiet, yep. but an incredible leader, incredibly yeah. successful, Super Bowl champion. Yep. Uh, so Tony Dungy. Okay. Uh, the current. Uh, Iowa head football coach Kirk Ferentz. I've had, oh, his, had an opportunity story. to meet him. He's been really? there for he's been there for twenty years now. What's the guy that was there for so long? That's that's my third oh. person. Hayden Fry. Yes, Fry. Uh, okay. He uh, actually a Baylor grad. Uh, Hayden Fry is. He yeah, he's that? a Texas guy. Okay. He coached at SMU prior to Iowa. He coached at North Texas prior okay. to Iowa, and then at Iowa. You know, that was his, his where cool. he where he spent the longest amount of time and, and really tr- really changed that program'm I'm, okay. I'm a person that's interested in how do you take a program in Iowa was not a very good football program in Man, the 60s and 70s yeah. and then Hayden Fry comes in the late 70s and then uh, 80s and 90s they go to the Rose Bowl they, yeah. went, they went multiple Rose Bowls and with yeah. ch- you know, conference championship multiple times um, yeah. and then the fourth person is uh, um, oh my gosh I'm I'm forgetting his name now, and he just retired. Um,
2: pro college.
0: Bill Snyder. I wanted to say Bill Stewart. Interesting. Bill Bill Snyder. Okay. And he was an assistant coach under Hayden Fry and then took Kansas State, Kansas State yes. again, horrible football program in the seventies and eighties. He retired. He wow. just okay. now he's like okay. eighty years old, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. he coached so he took Kansas State horrible, horrible football program. And he took them to heights they'd never seen before.
2: There's a um, lot of less I love that. That's, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. So, so
0: those, the, ultimately, those four guys. Okay. And I still use the principles in all of those books that I read. Yep. Uh, you know, Tony Dungy uh, r- 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 wrote. Um, essentially, it's an autobiography, but it was an autobiography based on like leadership. It yep. wasn't just you know yep. I grew up here and did this. Right. You know, as,
2: he wrote a mentor so. book too, I think. Mentor uh, the mentor, mentor leader. Yeah. Yeah, or the okay. leader,
0: leader mentor.
2: Yeah. He was one of the live to yeah. lead speakers when I first started the doing a live leader, to God, lead. Um, I think the very first year he was one of the, the yeah. speakers. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. So yeah, I- anyone who is interested in sports, yeah. uh, and, and football and, and and that that type of stuff, but also yeah. wants to get a leadership st- type book, check out Tony Dungy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Hayden Fry wrote a great yeah. book. Uh, Bill Snyder. Wrote a great book as okay. well. So yeah. So. Oh, that's yeah. cool, Candy.
2: I, I love that. Yeah, I'm. That's I'm cool. sure.
0: I'm sure we could. You and I could nerd out about. Okay, we'll sports have to do that and <laughs> and you know that but there are a lot of lessons crazy. in that tons a lot a lot of different lessons
2: yeah a and lot. so those so coaches in my life as an athlete even my dad i mean that was a con that i that context really i get that mm-hmm. you know and I'm, I'm blessed to have people ask me "Well, do you have coaches in your life yeah my mom taught me piano and i always had a sports coach <laughs>
0: yeah
3: <laughs> right yeah.
2: and so anyway that's that's special to me too awesome
0: awesome all right, I do want to kind of start to put a bow on okay. this um I want to be respectful of your time and you've been incredibly generous mm. um this is fun good i'm glad I'm glad you've had a good uh, a good time we we certainly have uh so we talked about books um you've alluded to a little bit of your 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 morning routine so some of the the frequently asked questions that, that we that we um yeah. you know talk about is what do you do just as not necessarily theories or whatever but like yeah. as As a human being, we're we're all human beings trying to figure things out. Sometimes we get stuck in traffic and, you know, whatever. Um, Yep. So uh, you alluded a little bit to um, your, you know, the routine that you you journal. um, You you think about, um, you know, what you're going to be. You're going to be purposeful for that day. Yeah. Uh, So if you wouldn't mind sharing... Yeah. A little bit about okay. you know, what you do. Uh, if you're if you're a routine guy, yeah, uh, if you're a morning guy. You're a late at night. I joked with <laughs>
2: you about being fly by the sea of my pants, right? But I'm I'm very structured. Yeah, I'm a messy structured. Like, yeah. So most most every night uh, and now it's on my phone. But I used to write everything down. I literally look at what's coming. What's what's tomorrow?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And not that I don't look ninety days out, but my habit is. Like, I'll lay down tonight, even though it's Friday, and I'll look at, okay, what's this weekend? Mm-hmm. Right, so there's some prep in there. There's some looking ahead there. And then I, I, I it's real simple. I reflect on the day. Um, I'm, I'm a big, when I lay my, obviously, I have sugar with my wife and bride. I mean, that's all there, right, too. But when I have my quiet of quiet times, when my head's on my pillow, I think about the day, what went good. What could I have done different? Mm-hmm. I, do, I do a little replay. And so, and that gives me a little, okay, I can get better tomorrow, because one of my mottos is I want to get better tomorrow. Um, and so I, I do that every night, and it's just a habit. And so that's how I go to sleep. When I wake up, I typically review what, what's today. Um, so it's real repetitive, which I think that's how habits are formed, right? But it helps me to stay focused. Yep. And so the nighttime is reflect, look ahead. Reflect on what did, I, what did I learn today? What are the highlights? What, what did I learn? What could I do better? Um, then the next day is, okay, here's what I have today. And then I really think in terms of priorities. What's most important today? And I literally name my top two or three priorities every day. This was a priority today that I'm thankful for. And so that's just a habit that I've, I've learned. I probably started that in high school, actually. Um, and then I try to spend some time reading in the morning. I'm an, I'm, I am I'm. loved your question I'm more of a morning person okay, yeah. I'm kind of the I'm more of a bear right. but I have some lion in me yeah. and so um, I like to wake up early I like to start my day early so I typically wake up I do my reflect my review I call it of the day and then I look at my priorities and then I try to read mm-hmm. a little bit maybe it's my bible maybe it's a, a journal a devotional mm-hmm. something to give me some mental nugget for the day and then I get after it. I mean, I really try to set my calendar early. I, I love to start my day by seven. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and um, that's kind of my morning routine. Um, and working out's a habit of mine. I try to work out. And so that's a discipline because that's kind of my therapy, I think. My mm-hmm. um, release and my recharge. Um, and then I just get after it. I, I'm more of a early to mid-afternoon. And then I, I'm still, I get maybe I'm older now, but I need my sleep. Yeah. And so I'd rather start early. It's just like I didn't stay up for the fireworks New Year's Eve, right? <laughs> um, but I'm an early bird. I like yeah. to get if I can get a head start. I usually have a better finish. Yeah. So that to answer that question, yeah. but my habits are really yeah. lay down, reflect, wake up, reflect, what are my priorities today, and then just getting after it. I mean, yeah. I'm I'm not a sit around guy. I'm gonna start something at seven. If it's working out if it's making calls if it's something putting something in the crock pot <laughs> I mean I'm, there's action coming at seven yeah and I so, love it. yeah that's great
0: <clears throat> to to kind of put a bow on this one of the one of my favorite questions that, that we ask and, and the answer is always different there's not a right answer there's not a wrong answer is what is your definition of success yeah and if you have some examples of people, and, and, and you've already wow. you've already provided a, a ton, so you don't have to be repetitive on, on that front. Yeah. What is your definition of success?
2: Yeah, that's, man, that's Liz and I talked about it on the way down here. Um, my, my definition, I believe, is if I can line up my purpose with a passion, I call these the five Ps. If I line up my purpose, my calling, if you will, if I know my mission, right, and i have excitement about that, a joy about that, a passion, and i put a plan to it, like i do things on purpose. that line i'm a big alignment i think in terms of alignment. so if i align up my purpose, express it passionately, have a plan and a priority, that's when it produces fruit. so so my my maybe it's cheesy, my definition of success is i'm producing fruit in my life with my gifts and my talents mm-hmm. that are helping other people. i mean The athletic in me wants, you got to win the game. that's success, right? The scoreboard. I get that. But I think the scoreboard can also be, what am I doing with my passion and my gifts that's making life better for other people? I think it's, for me, it's about impacting other people. It's not the car I drive. It's not the bank account, which those are important. I mean, I I need to provide for my family right now, right? And so that's part of the fruit. But I believe if we really center on our mission, and we're passionate about it, and we do things on purpose that reflect that and center us on it. So I'm not a mission creep guy. There are a lot of things I can't do. I don't have the talents and gifts to do a lot of things. But if I can line up my purpose with my gifts and my skills passionately, I believe that's where the fruit comes. So ultimately, my definition of success is for each person really owning their passion and producing fruit. And I know that's kind of a faith context, but fruit can be impacting lives, It can be growing your business.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. I'm a big, I think success is getting from here to there. Mm -hmm. And so I think success, I I thought about this today. I met a single mom. Um, To me, success is my kids talk to me and my wife talks to me and I'm managing my home.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. I mean, context of success can, if you get really personal, is that you have a a, a living, breathing marriage with your spouse and you're able to enjoy that. that. That's success. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And so I, there are a lot of ways to answer that. Sure, yeah. But you really challenged me to really boil it down, and I would say <clears> that, <throat> that using the gifts and the talents and the call on your life, Andy, you're producing fruit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's my context of success. I mean, I think about the Bob Milner's, and the, I love the story Terry just shared on Facebook about recovery, and that's a huge success for someone to go through a really difficult time, mm-hmm. a trial and come out of it, that's success, yeah. right? It's getting closer to the goal, the target. I think about single moms. Um, I think about people who just complete a day. You know, there's a lot of different context, But I think in terms of what fruit am I producing in my life that's mm-hmm. making other people better. Mm-hmm. That's That's Chad's context.
0: I love it. Thank you for sharing that. That's, yeah, I, I love that. As, as I mentioned, there's not a right mm-hmm. or wrong answer, but that is an amazing answer. It's a
2: challenging thing to really put to words, though. Sure. I mean, I'm so I'm. How would you define it?
0: No one's asked for that. Ooh, um, man. Yeah, you I know? love it. I mean, it's really it. how do how do you?
2: Because I think that drives our behavior. It drives yeah. our. I'll shut up and listen. No,
0: no. Um, I would think not to take the easy way out. But it's 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 doing something that is meaningful to, to you um, because otherwise you would have difficulty just waking up and being motivated. Yeah. So doing something that's meaningful and fulfilling for yourself but is being meaningful and fulfilling to other people as well. Yep. And, it's, I, and I don't think that it's a coincidence that pretty much – I'm trying to go back through the catalog of, of all the times that we've asked this question. We've pretty much asked this question to every um, podcast guest – and cool. and nearly every person has said in some form or fashion about helping other people, about enriching other people's lives, yeah. about growing their about not not their impact but growing impact positively yep. um, um, overall. Yep. Uh, and and you know it's 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 not necessarily about how much money you have in the bank account or the type of car or house that you that you live in or you drive or whatever. But it is about producing for your family. It's about producing yes. for those that rely on you. Yes. And if whether whether living in a nice house is giving someone safety and giving them giving someone the idea of opportunity, right. saying hey, I know these certain things are, are attainable. Okay, now that person's going to go and, and do you know their they're going to live out their def, their own individual definition of Love success. It. So yeah, I guess in, in a it. nutshell, it's doing something that is motivating and fulfilling to yourself but then externally it's enriching and producing something great for other people.
2: Well, yeah, and that's a, results are okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, results and fruit are the same, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think people, even in faith, we talk ourselves down about, oh, we don't want to be too successful. And to me, it's like what you do with that is what really puts mm-hmm. the bow on success mm-hmm. if you're adding value to other people. Now, if it's all about you, I would challenge that definition of success, sure. right? Yep. but if you're what you're doing well produces results and you do something good with it like y'all are doing that's that's home run right i mean if we can add value to the world there's yeah. nothing wrong with results yeah. i mean every one of us should be producing results mm-hmm. in our life our business our leadership in your relationships right mm-hmm. i mean y'all don't have a stagnant you're you're a living breathing marriage mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. that produces fruit so I love the whole I love your definition about results. That's that's huge. Yeah,
0: thank you,
2: thank you. What about you, Elizabeth? No, I gotta let
0: you off the hook. Oh come on! Yeah,
2: no, no. Oh
1: man.
0: How do you
2: how do you capture the (laughs) essence of that? How do you?
1: (sighs) Okay, I don't know if this is really gonna be an answer, but when I got to a place when I was teaching where I was not happy anymore, it was very draining. And it was a big, big struggle, yeah. and I it was not enjoyable. Like, like every Sunday by about four or five o'clock, I was pretty, uh, I pretty down. Sunday. Yeah, and I, I hated that because mm-hmm. there were so many things about teaching that I loved, mm-hmm. and that I was good at. So it was fulfilling to me in a lot of ways, but there were so many things about it that I was really not enjoying. That was yeah. like. Eating at me. Yeah. And so, I remember, and now I'm going to get, like, real tangy, kind of having a meltdown one day, <clears throat> like, spring of 2016 to Andy. I was 29, so now I've aged myself. And I, um, <laughs> I was, like, freaking out because I was like, I'm about to be 30. Yep. And we don't have children. And, you know, at some point I'm going to, like, lose my window of opportunity to have a child like in my within my 30s and if I'm still teaching then that means I'm going to be 50 before I can ever do anything else cuz I'm not going to be able to leave my teaching job cuz I'm going to have to you know have a stable opportunity for my children yep. and I was just like in this like cycle of mm-hmm. mess about the yeah. fact that I was so unhappy and I almost felt trapped yeah and the story of how I got out of that is is a decently long one but when I did quit to start Everson Cooper, the, the thing I think that that really convinced both Andy and I that this was going to be successful, even though I had made zero dollars, like I quit having made nothing, but we quit, I, I, we knew and we could see how much happier I was doing what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And how who I am was really coming out of me every single day, and I was coming home yeah. on fire, and I was running around a like word. a crazy li- woman, working harder than I'd ever worked alive, in my whole life. But right? I was alive, yeah. right? And so yeah. that that was enough for us to know that yeah. I was gonna make this work, because you're right, I was alive. That was that's a mm-hmm. great definite. That's a great word, and to me now, like even on my darkest. Days and my hardest moments in this business because it is hard. Yep. I am so much happier and yes, yeah, so much more alive than I ever was. And I'm do like I'm growing as a person mm-hmm. and I'm doing things for myself and for my family and for my community and for my yep. friends. Like I'm able to do so much more because I am being filled up by what I'm doing. And I'm not being drained by what I'm doing. I, yeah. I'm i telling you, I used to come home. I'd run with yeah. Cooper. And that was the most productive thing I did all evening. I was on the couch after that. Yeah. Yeah. Just depressed and sad. And, and yeah. it was not a life.
3: Yeah. So
1: to me, being in a place where you're alive, yeah. that's such a good word. Where you're alive yep. and you're mm-hmm. feeling good about what you're doing and you're fulfilled in what you're doing. That, to me, is success. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not... Everything yeah. else, all the materialistic things and things that we can all see and feel and touch, that just is byproduct of it, and that's great, and that's fun, and you enjoy all those things, and everybody should have all the things that they, that they want, and they get to do. Yeah. But feeling alive and being happy in what you're doing and being who you are yeah. every day—that to me, is successful.
2: And and all that other will come. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I think there's still that mindset of wealth is bad or money is bad. I mean, no, I don't think so. Right. Just do do a lot of good with it. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. But to have the freedom to do what you love to, And I know y'all know people by name who are not living.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, I see it all the time. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so to, to find that place, I guess that's my purpose, passion thing that you can find that passionate purpose. I mean, isn't that fun too? Mm-hmm. Right. So the fruit's fun. coming.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's right.
2: But oh, there's so many people, Elizabeth, that aren't in that place. It mm-hmm. just, that's tragic to yeah. me. I mean, it's even, I heard a great podcast. It was a, a message on peace you know and just having that and it all centered on if, you, if you're if you centered on your mission and you wake up every day anchored in your mission the circumstances may suck pardon my language right mm-hmm. but if you hold onto that anchor eventually it'll turn right mm-hmm. but you've got to stay grounded and anchored um, and it's not circumstantial because storms come mm-hmm. and, and that's where I'm, tr- I'm trying to mature to get there so thank you for your example <laughs> right oh <my laughs> but I want to live in that place of having peace mm-hmm. Here's who I am. Now, obviously, I still have to produce. Mm-hmm. Of course, we can't take that part off. Yeah. Right. yeah, But I still believe if we get centered on who we are and what we're gifted in doing, mm-hmm. and we set ourselves free to do that, it's like, watch out. hmm Do you? Are you there? Do you feel like you're getting there? Yeah. For yourself.
0: Yeah, I am. You know, and uh, people people know that I don't do Everson Cooper full time. Elizabeth does does this full time. I love the name by uh, the way, too. Oh, <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, and so I still, yeah, you know, at this point, to the you know, early two thousand nineteen, uh, still am a regional sales manager for an oil and gas manufacturing company. I would not be doing that job uh, if I didn't love it. Okay. Um, cool. Because I see and I know and I've seen the the tangible fruit that Everson Cooper can bear as a company. It can produce opportunities beyond our wildest imagination not just for us but for our yeah. community right. for 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 our family for multiple generations um and so if i didn't love what i did just wake up every single day then i would then i would i would be doing Evers and cooper full time um so oh, i do yeah cool. yeah i i, mean, I still i still absolutely love what i do and, and i i feel that i have a mission and a purpose and a passion in doing that awesome. and you know if that day comes that i don't have that, then then I'll be doing every single full yeah. time, and I'll yeah. never look back.
2: It's cool y'all can dance together though. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I'll call it a dance. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm glad to hear that. I was curious mm-hmm. about your where you are, what you're doing, and just where you are in that mm-hmm. mission.
0: Well, and, and that's that's what I love. It, so so I travel quite a bit for okay. for what I do. But when I don't travel, I work from home. Yeah. And and I work. You know, of course, listeners can't see it, but our desks, Elizabeth and I, desks are next to each other. Yeah. Then, you know, we're not home all that much, really. But it does give us the opportunity, gives us the flexibility, and and we have somewhat autonomy over both of our schedules. That we are able to be able to spend time together, but working together. We're not just sitting on the couch, uh, you know, with a bottle of wine doing nothing. Uh, We're we do that every once in a while. (laughs) Oh, of course. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, But I mean, there's there's times we're in our office till eight or nine o'clock at night, and we're fine with it because we want to produce great things. But but it's also fulfilling to us. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Awesome. That's cool to hear. Awesome.
1: Anything
2: else? No. Y'all are way too much fun to talk to, seriously. <laughs> I,
1: I don't feel like we could sit here forever. This has been oh, like man,
2: yeah. pure joy. Y'all have been so patient with me. Thank Good. you.
1: You've been amazing. Yeah, Thank you yeah. for being here with us. Oh, gosh, Thank you
2: man. for sharing
0: We're your stories. We're going to follow up. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, uh, you have been... This is uh, this has probably been the most challenging podcast because you you have turned around some of the questions <laughs> on us. That's right. Uh, and, I, and I love it. Cool. I appreciate it. It's great. That's cool. what I hope all of our guests feel uh, comfortable and compelled to be able to do. And then it's a awesome. conversation. And yeah. so I appreciate you doing that. Okay, it's, cool. it's a lot of fun. Yeah.
2: That's awesome. Good. I, at one point I thought, we're just sitting here talking, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. the goal, right? I mean, yeah. Right. So you yeah. made so, it very, yeah. very For, comfortable. Forget
0: about the microphones. Forget about all that. It's, it is. It's yeah. just about having an open, awesome
2: conversation. Well, I, I really appreciate the opportunity.
0: Hey guys, thank you for listening. One more thing before you go. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can find more episodes in our archives at eversoncooper.com slash podcast. You can also find all past episodes on iTunes, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, Google Play, and pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts please don't forget to send us a review and a rating. We are not trying to feed our ego, just ratings and reviews help us reach more listeners that could benefit from what our guests have shared and our guests then benefit more uh, from being on the podcast. So rate and review us on iTunes, podcast app, and all those other platforms I mentioned. Speaking of platforms, we would love it if you shared the Everson Cooper podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, whatever social media you use. Lastly, if you want to receive a fresh new Everson Cooper podcast episode every Wednesday, be sure to subscribe and you will get the latest episodes sent right to you automatically. Thanks for listening.